Thank you for joining us for this message from Cornerstone Community Church in Lynchburg, Virginia. Here's Pastor Willie Taylor. Let's start off by talking about a little bit about vision. Vision, when we speak of vision, I'm speaking of divine revelation. Divine revelation. I'm not talking about uh, just, uh, you know, what you have in your heart and some uh, goal or purpose God has given you or given me. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about God's revelation. We're talking about his revealed will. We're speaking of vision. And so uh, let's start in Proverbs. That's a good place to start. It speaks of vision, and, and, and we've heard this uh, part of this verse many, many times in, in Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18. We've heard this so, so many times, and usually it's the first part. Where there is no vision, the people perish, the King James may say, uh, but as uh, the New American Standard, which I'm reading out of, said the people are unrestrained. That means that the people cast off restraint. They run wild. That's when there is no revealed will of God. They do that. Now, we've heard that so many times and so many messages uh, preached on that, but usually the second part, people don't memorize that, but it's part of that verse. And Proverbs is a contrasting thing. It's usually a comparison. So it's comparing here someone that doesn't have a divine revelation of something revealed by God to someone who has the law. It says, but happy is he who keeps the law. And then happy means blessed. And it usually introduces a word of blessing. Like, uh, blessed are they pure and hard, for they shall see God. You know, the, the, the beatitude, blessed are they, uh, you know, all, all of the, the blessings and, and the beatitude. Well, this said, blessed is he who keeps the law. That's compared to the person who has no revealed will. Now, I want to be a blessed person. And so, yes, I want a revealed will, but until I receive a revealed reveal will for a particular something that I'm looking for, I have the word of God as that standard in which I can always go by. And so I can be blessed, we can be blessed, because is this his will or is it not? It's his will. It's his revealed will, isn't it? So... We have something we don't have to ever cast off restraint. Ever. And we don't have to say, well, what's the vision? What's the vision of our house, our husband? What's, what, where, where are we going? Well, you just stay put at obeying what the Word of God says, and you will be fine. You'll be fine. Uh, a, a, an example of that was... When Moses went up to, to the mountain, he was there 40 days, 40 nights, and he left Aaron in charge. And Aaron, of course, uh, he was kind of weak. And the people, where is this man? Where is Moses? We don't know where he is. Hey, uh, take us back to Egypt. You know, uh, uh, build us uh, uh, somebody that we can, we can follow. Uh, and so Aaron, of course, told him to you know, give him the earrings and all the kind of things they 
add a golden calf, all this stuff kind of thing. Now, they cast off restraint. They, they, were, they, they were there partying, having, having a good time when Moses and Joshua came back down. And so why did they cast off restraint? They didn't have a reveal. Moses had, didn't say, hey, you're going to do this. Stop doing that. Nope, this is the way we're going. They didn't have that, and they were casting off restraint. But let me ask you a question. Did they have it? Did they know that Moses, uh, had Moses given them an instruction? Or this is the first time they ever met Moses? They, they knew what they were supposed to do. They just didn't want to do it. And so if they didn't want to do it, they needed a strong leader to keep them doing what they needed to do. Well, I'm going to tell you, we don't need a strong leader. We need uh, to, to lean upon a strong God because he is strong. And we have the word of God to do that. But that's what we're talking about vision today. Vision. God's revealed vision because he does give revelation in his vision. Let's go just a little bit further. Let's go to Ezekiel. And in Ezekiel chapter 43, well, let's go to chapter 40 first and lay a foundation for 43. In Ezekiel 40, it says, In the 25th year of, the, of our exile, in the beginning of the year, on the 10th of the month, in the 14th year, after the city was taken, on that same day, the hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me there. In the visions of God, he brought me into the land of Israel and set me on a very high mountain, and on, on it to the south, there was a structure like, this, like a city. So he brought me there, and behold, there was a man whose appearance was like the appearance of bronze with a line of flax and a measuring rod in his hand. And he was standing in the gateway, and the man said to me, Son of man, see with your eyes, hear with your ears, and give attention to all that I am going to show you, for you have been brought here in order to show it to you, Declare to the house of Israel all that you see. Now let's go over to chapter 43. In verse 1 it says, Then he led me to the, still talking about the man with the uh, bronze and the line of flax, measuring rod in his hand. He brought me to the gate, and the gate was facing the east. And behold, the glory of God... The God of Israel was coming from the way of the east, and his voice was like the sound of many waters, and the earth shone like shone with his glory. And it was like a, the appearance of the vision which I saw, like the vision which I saw when he was to, uh, came to, des- to destroy the city. And the visions were like the vision which I saw by the river Shabbat. And I fell on my face, and the glory of the Lord came into the house by the way of the gate facing toward the east. And the spirit lifted me up and brought me into the inner court. And behold, the glory of the Lord filled the house. Then I heard one speaking to me from the house while a man was standing beside me. And he said to me, Son of man, this is the place of my throne and the place of the soles of my feet 
where I will dwell among the sons of Israel forever. And the house of Israel will not again defile my holy name, neither they nor their kings, by their harlotry and by the corpses and uh, their kings when they die, by setting their threshold by my threshold and their doorposts beside my doorposts with only the wall between me and them. And they have defiled my holy name by their abominations which they have committed, so I have consumed them in my anger. Now let them put away their holotry and the corpses of the, their kings far from me, and I will dwell among them forever. Verse 10. As, you, as for you, son of man, de- describe the temple of the house of Israel. Describe means to show. Okay, to reveal. Show the temple, meaning the house, to the house. The King James will say, show the house to the house of Israel. That they may be ashamed of their iniquities and let them measure the plan. If they are ashamed of all that they have done, make known to them the design of the house and the structures and access, access and, and its interests and, and all the des- designs, all its statutes and all its laws, and write it upon in their sight so that they may observe their whole design and all of the statutes and do them. This is the law of the house. Its entire area on the top of the mountain all around shall be most holy, Behold, this is the law of the house. Now, I wanted to read that because we're not, we're not trying to show any abominations that we are doing or any, uh, that, that, because that's not, that's not what the message is about. And I'm not trying to make anybody ashamed. I'm not doing that. But I wanted to let you know by reading the scripture that God wanted to show Ezekiel a vision and he wanted to, him to, to show what he saw to the house of Israel. That's what I want to do in this, uh, this series on, on vision. I want to show God's plan, God's design, God's ordinances. I want to show God's house to you. And we are that house. We are the house of God. Let's look in, uh, in, in, a, in a scripture, Hebrews chapter 3. Let's, let's go there. Uh, verse 1. It says, Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider Jesus the apostle and high priest of our confession. He was faithful to him who appointed him, as Moses also was in all his house, for he has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses by just as much as the builder of the house has more honor than the house. For every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. Now Moses was faithful in all his house, all of God's house, as a servant for a testimony of those things which were to be spoken of. But Christ was faithful as a son over God's house, his house means, whose house we are, whose house we 
are. We are the house of God. So when I want to show the plans and everything of God's house, his holy temple, his house, I want to show it to us because each one of us is a part of the house of God. We're the, we're the, we're the body of Christ. We are the church to call out assembly. We are the church, not the building. We are the church, but we also, we are the house. We are the house. So I want to show the vision of what God has for us to his house. I want to show the house to the house. We ask the question, what vision do we have a cornerstone? What vision do we have a cornerstone? Well, the vision of cornerstone is a vision that I believe that God gave us for our growth. Our growth, all of us, our growth, and to glorify him and fulfill his purposes. I don't care what vision any, any uh, place of God has, any house of God has, that house should have a purpose of growing. It should have a purpose in growing to be more like Jesus. It should also have a purpose of glorifying God. If, if we're not going to glorify God, Let's pack up and leave. We, don't, we, we want to glorify God. We also want to fulfill his purpose, his purposes for our lives and for the, why are we in existence? Why did, he, why did he birth us again? Why did he save us if he doesn't have a purpose for us? He has a purpose, and we want to talk about that purpose. Not, not just Cornerstone's vision. We're talking about God's vision for his house here. That's what we're talking about. The, first, the, the whole vision would be to be connected to God, to the body, to a ministry, to the world, in order to change lives and build bridges. We're going to take just one part of that today is to be connected to God. And, and I don't care what, again, I don't care what vision the people have uh, for their particular um, local house. It can be love God and love people. There's many, many visions uh, that people have. But God has a purpose for each individual place. And places are the same. Some, some places God is doing one thing and others he's doing another. Uh, it's all going to bring glory to him when we all fit the pieces of the puzzle together. When you have a piece of the puzzle, they're all different parts, but they all fit together and make a big hole. And see, all over the world, we're all part of the body of Christ, and we all fit somewhere. So what we're trying to do is make sure that we fulfill our little piece of the puzzle. We get in the spot we're supposed to get. Because we're in the wrong spot doing the wrong thing, the puzzle's going to have a little, little hole there, and you're not gonna be, we're not going to be the crown cornerstone in somewhere where there's another piece of the puzzle going. You can't do that. You got to fit in the place he has has you going. Okay, now, be connected to God. What do we mean, be connected to God? What do we mean? What does God mean? Does God want us connected to him? Absolutely, he wants us connected to him. Absolutely, he wants us connected to him. He wants us connected to him, and he wants us growing in him. How are we going to grow in him? How does he expect us to grow in him if we're connected to him? Uh, let's, let's take another uh, uh, scripture. Uh, I, I, like, I, I just love scripture. Let's, let's go to 
one that I think will be good in Ephesians. We use it for one thing. Uh, I want to I show you something different in Ephesians today. Just a little bit. In, in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25, I want to show you something. I think it's real, real neat. It says here that husbands love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her. Good, we know that. So that he may sanctify her. Now, it's talking about, of course, Christ. But it's talking to the husband. It's talking about Christ. Christ gave himself up for us as the church so that he may sanctify us, her, the bride of Christ, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. How are we going to grow by being connected to God? God says that I have sanctified my bride. Now, that's, that's, that's positionally, positionally, we are sanctified. When he brought us out of darkness and translated us into the kingdom of his dear son, that means that you are separated. God separated his body. He did that. That's positionally. Like positionally, we are seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. But we know that's positionally, but we know we're here. So we know that, yes, we're sanctified, but we know that we have to be about being sanctified. Do you understand? We have to be continually being sanctified. Sanctified only means separated. That's all it means, set apart. By that I mean, let's, let's go to um, John, the Gospel of John, chapter 17, verse 17. He says, sanctify them. This is Jesus in his prayer speaking. He's talking to God. He's talking to his Father. Jesus says, sanctify them. Now, if we've already sanctified, then he wouldn't say sanctify them. But he's talking about a continual thing. Sanctify them. This word in, in my Bible it says in, is, is E-N in the Greek. It can mean in, I-N, or it can mean by, B-Y. Okay? Either one. Sanctify them by or in the truth. Your word is truth. I believe that we're going to grow to be more like the house. Even though we are the house, we are portions of the house, we can grow more to being like the house that God was showing Ezekiel, the the house of God, the, the heavenly tabernacle. We can be more like that as a body, a whole all over the world if we are continually washing, being washed with the water of the word of God, if we, are continually, if we are continually being set apart by the word of God, because he said the truth, he said your word is true. You must, you must understand this, that the word of God is the, the washing agent, the word of God is the sanctifying agent, the word of God is everything. Because the word of God is actually God. Do we understand? In the beginning was the word, and the word was God. So we know that the word is very important. And the spirit of God, 
is going to bring to our remembrance those things that God has said to us. So as we read, then he's going to bring things to us because he's the spirit of Jesus. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of God, but he's also the spirit of Christ. Are we, are we together? Are you tracking? I'm, 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 I'm talking. You don't understand what I'm saying. Everybody, everybody with me? Okay, Lord, we're asking, okay, be connected to you. Be connected to you, okay? Why do we need to be connected to you? Because you're the life source. If we're we're disconnected from the vine, we die. The only way we're going to produce fruit is being part of the vine. All these scriptures. The part of the vision, be connected to God. I believe that God wants us to to, in this body of believers, to be concerned with the salvation of souls. I believe he wants us passionate about souls. I really do. And I, I, I know that it's, it's hard for me, it's hard for a lot of people, uh, not, not the types of God that get to evangelically to, to evangelize, but those people who, who, who like to teach, who like to encourage, who who got other gifts, we can be satisfied a lot of times in our teaching, in our exhorting, in whatever. Uh, but God is saying that to be connected to me, you have to have a passion for the loss. You have to have a, have a body of believers that the doors are open to all people, all kinds of people. I don't care what their lifestyle is. I didn't say was. I said is. What their lifestyle is, they can have any lifestyle they want to have. If they come up in here, they should be welcome. I don't care whether they're Satanists. I don't care whether they're. I don't care what it is. They're they're welcome here. I believe that God wants that. I didn't see in the scripture where Jesus uh, avoided people, even the Samaritans. He talked to the Samaritan woman when he, men usually don't talk to, the, to women. Plus, he was a Jew talking to Samaritan. I believe he wants us, I believe in heaven, as I look at the Revelation, there are all nations there. There are everybody there. God came to save the lost. He didn't come as a physician to heal those who are already well. So I believe that he wants us drawing people, I don't care what lifestyle they're in, he wants us drawing people here. And you say, well, that doesn't seem too good. You're welcoming people who have, who they're in sin. Well, he welcomed us when we were in sin, because all of us were in sin before we got saved. He, his, his, his son died for us when we were sinners. Am I right? He wants that here at Cornerstone. That's being connected to him. He said, the first thing is you be connected to me by you opening your doors. That You say, well, huh, where is that in Scripture? Yeah. All over the Scripture. But let's look at it in, 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 in 1 Timothy chapter 2. Let's look at that. Let's go to verse 1.
in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1, it says, First of all, then I urge that entreaties and prayers and petitions and thanksgiving be made on behalf of some men, especially those who are, are, are real nice and they got a good character, they don't, they're not in sin. Is that what your Bible says? On behalf of who? Oh. Oh, man. And, and when it says men, he's not including, he's not excluding ladies because it's talking about all humanity, all of human beings. All. He said for kings and all who are in authority, not some, not the ones that just you like, not the ones, you know, that, that you, you like their platform, or, you know. It's not just them, all authority, so that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. This is good, he says. You remember him saying something about this is good? When, how about in Revelation? I mean, not, not in Revelation, in, in Genesis. <laughs> Did he say anything was good? Yeah, everything he made was good, wasn't it? But not only is it good, he says that, and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior. This is his will, in other words. Now, what does God really desire? If I ask you, what does God desire? Here's one thing he desires. He desires that all men be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. That's what, he, that's what, that's what his desire is. I don't care what lifestyle. Did he say that if they come out of their lifestyle, then I desire for them to be saved? No. He said he desired for all men to be saved and to come into the knowledge of the truth. So therefore, if we're going to be connected to God, we have to connect ourselves with his vision. Right? And so when, when, when we say, of course, be connected to God, it includes being open to all people. We welcome them. All lifestyles. We welcome them. Because God welcomes them. Because God didn't ask you to change anything when he saved you. He didn't say, I will save you on this condition. The only condition that he has is you, you accept what Jesus Christ has paid the price for you. The free gift of salvation, right? That's it. That's it. Because once we are his and give our life to him, he changes us. Is he in the process of changing us? Yes, he is. Don't you know that, that, that he welcomes someone to come in here that's, that's a sinner, that's Satanist or whoever. He welcomes them to come in here because they're going to hear the word of God. Right? What group of people have more power of God than the people of God. Right? So, man, anybody who's in sin come up in here, my goodness gracious, praise God. Every, invite every son, every son to come. Yeah, every time come because they're going to get the word of God. And the word of God is powerful. It's sharper than two edged sword. Able to pierce even the violence of the soul and the spirit of joints and marrow in the discern of the thoughts and purpose of the heart and intents of the heart, isn't it? So I believe that the word of God can do anything God wants it to do. He upholds everything that 
we can see, think, or imagine, he'll oppose everything by the power of his word. So I, I know that's what God wants. Okay, another thing I, I know that God wants is he wants us to know him. He wants intimacy. He wants intimacy with us. Uh, let's go to Matthew chapter, um, let's go to chapter 7, verse 21. Let's, let's try there and see what, whether we got something that's really good there. He wants intimacy. He says that not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name cast out demons and in your name perform many miracles? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Now, he said, I never knew you. God wants a personal intimate relationship with us. He wants us to know him and he wants to know us in that intimate relationship. Of course, you know that God knows us. He knew us before we were even, even conceived. He knew us. It's talking about a different note. It's talking about he wants that relationship. He wants that intimacy. He wants that interaction. He wants that, uh, that experiential knowledge of him. He wants interaction with him. That's what he wants. And, and you, can, you can probably visualize it even more if, if I said, well, uh, if, if you, when you first start, uh, let's say, courting your wife, if you're married, and, or if you have a significant other in here today, when you first start with that person, your object is you wanted to get to know them, right? You want to get to know them. So you... You, you, if you get to know a person, you want to spend time with a person, right? And you want to ask questions and all those type of things. That's uh, what you want to do. Nobody wants to marry somebody at first sight. I see you, so let's get married, and then we'll work everything out. That's not, that's not scripture. They have a TV program called that, I think. Crazy, but it's okay. Uh, that's them. But I'm speaking of in the Word of God. God does that's not the way He does it. He wants us to get to know Him. He wants to know us. It's an intimate relationship. That's what He wants. Intimacy, intimacy, intimacy. Takes time. I believe that this intimate relationship is done one on one. One-on-one. Now, now, I know that when you first started to get to know somebody, uh, what, however you got to know somebody, whether it been on computer, uh, dating site, I don't care what it is, whether you, we saw them in the library, and, you know, and like I saw my wife, I was, she was sitting in the library, I go, hey, hey, what's your name? You know, uh, some of silly, <laughs> silly stuff, you know. Uh, so she'll say, get away from me. <laughs> but... You know, the, the, you know, you kind of, you have your ways. God, but sooner or later, you want to spend some quiet time with that person so you can, so y'all can talk 
and, and, and you don't want to be with a crowd all the time. Is that correct? Not that you have anything, uh, you know, sin in, in mind. You just, want to, you just want to get to know the person that you, you don't want somebody else chiming in on the conversation. And, you, you know, you just want to be alone with them. Am I right, married people? There's no lady, and I don't think there's not many women, that say, you know what? My husband and I, we never talk unless we're riding in the car, unless we're, you know, uh, going uh, out to eat somewhere. Uh, we don't talk alone. You know, the children are always with us. Some, uh, that's the way we like it. We don't like to spend t- time with each other. You show me a lady that I let, I'll show you some, woohoo, man, woohoo. That's interesting. God wants one on one time. Let's look at it in Matthew. Let's go there. Um, I think I think it's, it's, it's what God wants for us. Uh, Matthew eleven twenty eight. Let's go there. He says here. You've heard this many times. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. God wants us to come to him with all our, you know, we might be anxious about this, we might be worried about this, and we might be tired and worn out about this and that. He wants us to come to him and learn from him because he's gentle and humble and hard. And he said, you'll find rest for your souls because his yoke is easy and his burden is light. He wants, he wants to, the, the picture I get, because he, he, he wants this quiet time, the picture I get is, here's the disciples, they had, they had, they had the last supper, you know, they had the last supper. They're sitting around the table, and here is the apostle John. What is he doing? He's leaning on the breast or chest of Jesus, isn't he? Now they're sitting at the table, getting ready to break bread, and here he is leaning over here on the master, you know? But you know who has a heartbeat for the love of God? It's John. All of the Gospel of John, the the, the epistles of 1 John, John talks about love. He talks about love. He was an apostle of love because I believe he was close to, he, he wanted to be close to Jesus. That's what Jesus wants. He wants always to be close to him. Come to him. Come to him. I believe this is worked out. And let me submit to you, it's worked out in a way that we could work it out in seven Ways, seven ways. They're not probably on your screen, but they, they might be to put it on the screen. Um, the seven ways I think you can work out intimacy is know the things that Jesus likes, know them, and do them. Okay? Come to him in a way that he wants to be approached. He loves, loves a a heart of gratitude. He loves it. The first one, giving thanks for his mercy and his grace. 
old psalm, I think it's 136, tells about uh, all the things and everything, every, every, like every few words it said, thank you for this, for your mercy and do us forever, for your mercy and do us forever, for your mercy and do us forever. It's all the way through Psalm 136. His mercy. He loves that. He loves What parent doesn't love for a child to tell them, I really appreciate what you have done when you did this. You are so good to me. Thank you, Mom, for, for fixing me dinner. Oh, you are so good to me. Thank you for fixing my lunch for me to go off school. Your mercy endures forever. You are so gracious to me, Lord. Thank you for giving me money to do this. Thank you for letting me borrow the car. Thank you for letting me... Wouldn't a man... Probably they, probably they will faint. Probably, I mean, wouldn't, it, wouldn't it? Probably we will faint as, as, as parents if our children start doing that, wouldn't it? Because it's unheard of, isn't it? It's unheard of. But God wants that from us. Gratitude. Gratitude. Number two, so come to him that way. Come to him that way. Matter of fact, when, when the disciples asked him, say, hey, teach us to pray, what did he say? Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy. Holy is your name. Holy is your name. Come to him in the right way. He wants to come with the, who he is. A, he's a great God. He loves us. He showers us with every spiritual blessing, the scripture says. He's given us every spiritual blessing in Christ. That's what, this, that's what the scripture says. Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Next is prayer. 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 Just, just he, he loves to hear your voice. He loves it. Hey, good morning. Good morning, Father. Good morning. Thank you for waking me up. Oh, yes. thank you. I didn't get but two hours of sleep, but that's okay. I'm thank you for those two hours. You know, and how many people of us sometimes we, we don't get but two hours of sleep? We, we moan and complain all, all day because I didn't get much sleep. Praise God. You got two hours of sleep. And if you didn't get any sleep, praise God that he kept you alive all night and awake all night. You could have died standing up. Yeah. Thank you, Lord. Talk to the Lord. Give me my daily bread, Lord. Whatever you have for me, whatever you want me to do, Lord, I'm open to you. Lead me, Lord, today. Help me not to say things I don't need to say, you know, to this person that uh, irritates me so much at work. Don't let me say things I shouldn't say, Lord. Talk to him. That's in, in that prayer. Talk to him. Talk to him. Scripture reading. Three. Scripture reading. Read the Word of God. It's his love letter to you. Six or six of them. Six, six, okay. Love letters. Read them. He loves you to be in his word because when you're in his word, you're close to him. You can't be in his word, you know, uh, uh, well, you can, now with our modern technology. You can put the word in the um, CD player. Yes, I was going to say tape player. In the CD player, you can put it, put it in the CD player. And, uh, well, they don't even use the CD now. Y'all use, what do y'all use now? Huh? iPhones and stuff like that, just plug it. 
Man. But, you know, you can listen to it there. Uh, let me tell you. That's, that's, that's good. That's like dessert. I'm going to tell you that the main thing, the main, you know, vegetables will be a quiet time, maybe at lunchtime or something, and you get in your cubicle somewhere, or, or at nighttime when everybody go to bed, or in the morning time before everybody get up, or whatever. Just get in there and, and just on your iPhone, on your iPad, on your notebook, on your uh, whatever you want to read it on, just get on the Word yourself. Quiet. So that He can speak to you. He wants to speak to you through His Word. Yes, He does. He wants to show you things and reveal things to you through His Word. Okay? Now, the, the, the other thing, now we said it before. We want to meditate. 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 That's, meditate is just thinking upon, you know, just, just over and over in your mind. Think upon. He wants you to think about his word because something is going to stand out to you. And, and then he wants you to start memorizing that thing so that the next thing you want to do is confess it. Confession only means agreeing. That's all it means. Confession means agreeing with. If you, if you saw, the, saw the word homo uh, logio, that it's like from homo and it's like um, uh, logos, which is to say the word, so it's like saying the same thing that God says. So when the enemy comes with you with, hey, man, you know, this person going to irritate you today. You're going to do you know, you, you, you say what the word says. No, 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 I'm careful for nothing. But in all things by prayer and supplication, I let my request be known to God. And the peace of God which passes all understand will keep my heart and my mind in Christ Jesus. Get back, Satan. I don't want to hear it. But if you don't know the word, you're not going to be able to say the word. How can you confess the same thing? How can you agree with God and you don't even know it? But it, it takes that meditation to get on it. See? You want to share it. It's amazing the number of people don't talk about the word. Except in church. Then the rest of the six days, Nothing's ever mentioned about the Word of God. God wants you to share the Word. Share it with whoever He brings across your path. Share it. Share it with your mate. Share it with your children. Share it with your coworker. Share it with, you know, your best friend. Share the Word of God. You said, my best friend doesn't want to hear the Word. They like talking about uh, this over this and that. Well, share it with them. I tried. They don't want to hear it. And they're your best friend? Hmm. Interesting. Okay. We need encouraging daily. We need encouraging. Okay. Share the word. And the last one, number seven, is maintain an accountable relationship. Maintain an accountable relationship. When I say maintain an accountable relationship, what I mean is that in order to get the other six done, it takes sometimes an accountable relationship to say things to you that you don't want to hear. Okay? It takes an accountable relationship. You know somebody loves you. You know they care for you. You know they're not trying to judge you. They're just trying to help you because they love you. That's all. That's an accountable relationship. That's all. I asked the person the other, the other day, I said, 
how's your, how's your devotional life coming? That's all I ask. How's your devotional life coming? He said, I'm glad you asked me that. I'm glad you shared that with me. I'm glad you encouraged me. It was going good when we were fasting. But now I've gotten slack. Okay, no problem. Maybe I can help you. Let's do this right here. Da 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 da. We we went off with it and we just talked about it. Um, you know. Okay, that's cool. Thank you. I really appreciate you caring enough to you know, encourage me. Do you have anybody in your life that will encourage you? That would ask you hard questions like that, which you you know you don't want to hear sometimes. You know how, how you how you come along with this area in your life. I know you said you know you. You have problems with those words, you say. You know, uh, you know I, I know you slip them sometimes. You use a profanity. You know, you, you know, I've been around you. You know me. I know you. And, and, and uh, so how you come along with, with, with you know, uh, detoxing yourself from those rotten words? You remember the message, you know? Now, you're not going to accept that from anybody. You're not going to do that. But from somebody that y'all are, you know, pretty close together, you know, you, you know that, that that person cares about you, you will. You'll say, you know what? I'm not doing as good as I should do. Uh, pray for me. Pray for me. No problem. I got you. I got you. That's what you want. That's what I mean by accountable relationship. Those are the seven things I believe that God wants us doing, and I think I named them all. Did I miss one? I don't think so. But now, know that, know that, please know that the world system, the enemy, our flesh doesn't want this to happen. He doesn't want this to happen. So he knows also it takes consistency or constancy to develop strength. He knows that. So if he can get you inconsistent, whether it be exercise, whether it be whatever you're trying to do to improve yourself, he knows that you're not going to be able to do it. You're not going to be able to do what you want to do because you're inconsistent. Uh, they did a study, this person named uh, Philippian, Philippa uh, Lally, uh, her research team at the University College uh, in London, they did a research and they said it takes, it takes about 66 days to eight months to change your behavior or to put a new behavior in. Not 21 days, but it takes that length of time. It depends upon that, that long span between two months and eight months. It is dependent upon the person, the circumstances, and the behavior you're trying to install. And I know that the enemy is trying to get us so busy that we don't have time. And I know you said, well, I don't have time to do these. I don't have time to get in the Word. I don't have time to spend that time with God. I just spend time with God as I go. All my day is devoted to God, so I talk to Him when I'm in the car. I talk to Him when I'm walking down the way. That's good. The Scripture says you, you, you do that. There's nothing wrong with that. But if you don't ever have an acquired time with your, your, your husband, because we're the bride of Christ, right? Okay? If you, if you, your, our husband-to-be, Jesus Christ, he's coming back for his bride without spot, without blemish. If we never want to talk to him by himself, we never want to do that, 
then do we really love Jesus? Because I believe that he wants to spend some quiet time with us. And so if we're going to do that, and the enemy is against it, we're going to have to be determined. We're going to have to be determined. And we know, and I know, that if, I, if we poll all the Christians in the world, that a great majority of us are so busy that we don't have a consistent quiet time. I know that. I've talked to pastors and I know that. Okay, so in their congregations. So, why, how can we get it done? And we know this is a lifespan. This is, this is something dealing with our life. You say, well, I don't want to be legalistic. It's always about checking off some checklist. Yes, I had my devotional day. I don't want to be going through the motions. I want a relationship with God. I want, I want to be going all day and, and spend all day. And, and, and if I spend some quiet time, I spend it. If I don't, I don't. I'm not feeling guilty about anything. Because all, this, all you're going to do is get me guilty and get me, you know, no, 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 that's not my purpose. That's not my purpose. Do you get guilty if I say you need to eat every day? Every day. You say, that's boring. That's legalistic. Don't tell me I got to eat every day. I need to eat every day. I eat when I get ready. Right? No, you think I'm crazy. You never get bored. With eating every day. Do you? You make time to eat. You make time to eat. Yeah. If, if, you, don't, if you don't eat breakfast, you eat lunch. If you don't eat lunch, if you don't eat one time a day, you're going to eat dinner. If I say, we're going to fast. You say, oh, no, 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 no. I want to eat. I want to eat. Well, why don't we do that way? Why don't we do that with getting in the Word? Getting in His presence. Since the enemy fills our mind with that stuff, no, legalistic. He's trying to get you legalistic about something. No, no, I'm trying to get you so that you will get this revelation from God. You will be in the presence of God. Don't you know in the presence of God, chains are broken. Things are done that can't be done any other place except in his presence. I'm telling you. God's good, isn't it? So that's what I want for us, and that's what it that's what it says in uh, in First John chapter two, verse fifteen. It'll say something to the effect that they, all this in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, is not of the Father. It's not of God. It's of the world. It's of the world. It'll tell us that we need to be about doing the things that God wants us to do because the world is going to pass away. It's going to pass away. The world is passing away. Do you hear, hear me? In, in, in Revelation, there is going to be a new Jerusalem. You know, this world is going to pass away and all of its lusts with it. It's going to pass away. So everything that we can be busy doing, I don't care what it is, is going to pass away. It's not going to be in the marrying in heaven. It's not going to be given in marriage in heaven. It's not going to be any of that in heaven. So therefore, I don't care what it is that we are supposed to be doing in which God wants us to do a good job of all the things he's told us to do, but he doesn't want us to ne- ne- neglect him. 
Those things are going to pass away. Why would we want to spend time? This is what my wife told me to, uh, when we were talking about it uh, yesterday morning. Why would we, I think it was yesterday, why do we want to spend time, all the time that we have, with things that's passing away? When he says that he who does the will of God lives forever. And you can't do the will of God without, in, 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 in our, our uh, young adult, our, our college, college and young adult, we, we were going by Joshua, we were going in Joshua, and, and, and Joshua says that um, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate in it on a day and night. So that you'll be able to do that within, that which is within. Then you'll make your way prosperous, and then you have good success. That's what it says. So if we want to succeed, and we won't meditate on this word, we won't confess this word because it says, don't let it depart out of your mouth. You keep it in your mouth. You got to keep it in your mouth. You can't get it in your mouth unless you meditate on it day and night. You'll be prosperous and you'll be successful. That's what it says. So why we spend time doing that which doesn't bring success and doesn't bring us prosperity in the things of God? Why would we do that? Thank you for listening to this message from Pastor Taylor and Cornerstone Community Church. We are located in Lynchburg, Virginia at 525 Old Graves Mill Road. You can find us online at cornerstonelynchburg.com, contact us by email, cornerstonecom at comcast.net, or call us at 434-847-4796. We pray the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace.